Virtual Manager presents the How Did We Get Here podcast. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the How Did We Get Here podcast. It's part two of our interview with one of the top entrepreneurs in the UK, Jay Radia. Now, in the last episode, Virtual Manager Chairman Anil Patel, COO Neil Fillingham, CEO Tony Morocco and I chatted to Jay about his early life in the financial world to becoming a founder and CEO of three hugely successful startups. Jay started his businesses in a lowly office near a fish market and from there created Yieldify, ReachDesk and ScreenLoop, which combined are now worth over $500 million. He is now working on a new project, Bliss Growth, and is an angel investor in over 30 companies globally. And in this episode, he talks about that, plus the culture within his companies and his business outlook. For Yieldify, the first check, I actually wrote it. So it wasn't a huge amount. It was about 20,000 US dollars. It wasn't much. And then afterwards, we had some family and friends who maybe chipped in another 20, 30,000 dollars. It wasn't much. Like We were super bootstrapped. And later on, the investors started approaching us. They said they started coming to this really smelly place in Farringdon and they used to just rock up. You know, that just naturally happened. There's a natural progression because the business did well. It's part two of our interview with entrepreneur Jay Radia. I'm Charles Dagnall, and it's episode 41 of the How Did We Get Here podcast. So hello and welcome along to the podcast. I'm Charles Dagnall, along with me, Virtual Manager Chairman Anil Patel, COO Neil Fillingham and CEO Tony Morocco. And it's part two of our conversation with Jay Radia. So let's head straight back into the interview. And it's Neil Fillingham who picks up the questioning. There's one thing that's kind of come up in my head while, while, you, while you've been talking. Um, there's your dad started in finance, your mum was, was nursing. So there's two very different kind of worlds there. And it kind of feels like you've lived both, like you've done the financing, you've, you've kind of followed your heart in regards to your, the investing side of things. And then you kind of combined it all together into, into, into bliss growth sort of thing where you're kind of, you know, representing both those, those worlds for yourself. I was wondering, how do you, when you, when you're doing that sort of thing, how do you prioritize when people are kind of coming in? Which part leads the, your decision making process? Yeah. Like for me right now, it's just about really making sure that the projects I'm involved in are really good for humans. And, you know, I think we, you know, as we all go through our journey, we just start realizing the more we give, um, the more joy we get. And, you know, I've realized that through, my journey, so in terms of prioritizing, I think, first of all, it's just like, is this project going to give back to some degree to create some joy? Um, second one is, it's a bit selfish, but I love to learn still. I'm still very curious. I love to evolve as a human. I still feel, you know, I think it's our responsibility to keep on changing, evolving as much as, mm. as, much as we can. So, you know, making sure that the project does give me some level of growth. And then thirdly, I'd say it's the people. Like, that's huge, I feel... You know, it's a simple one, but look back at every single memory or experience of my life. It always involves people. And um, so I always look at, you know, what, you know, what people are going to enter in my life. Right. I think we do put weight on it, but I think that weight needs to be 
like ridiculously high. Um, so mm. know what your values are, their values. So just making sure that that bit's aligned. But yeah, that's, you know, I'd say those are probably three of my, that's my framework. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> was it an area you were always looking to get into, like, you know, in that regard? Or is that just something that you kind of, as you've gone along, you kind of gone, hey, that'd be kind of cool. This kind of combines who I am. And, you know, this is, this represents me in this, in this business. Was that a plan or was it just kind of came to you? Yeah. So after Yieldify, so I was the CEO and then eventually I just realized it was time for me to step away. So I'm still sitting on the board. So I'm the chairman, a bit like Anil. And, you know, it's time for me to um, do other things. And I realized at that point, I wanted to just work on projects that were going to bring joy to people mm. at work. That was my thing because I realized I my I think all of us have had certain experiences in life and mine was like I worked really hard so I was like okay I know I can bring joy to people at work so I, I'm one of those people I've worked really hard um, so it's about combining joy to something that that I've uniquely spent a lot of my life in and you know I just I love entrepreneurship so it's about bringing joy to work especially in startups so after that all the businesses I did so reach desk you know what we're doing there is trying to help business to gift their customers employees and that's just bringing lots of smiles into people's faces and you know my my third company screen loop is about hiring so again making sure that it's an even playing field to hire so they're all about bringing joy and so every year now my goal is to build one company a year um, through bliss growth so it's like a startup studio and i work with um, up-and-coming founders and help them to build hopefully businesses that will bring more joy to joy to the workplace so that's my next 10 years let's say i think let's see it always change i don't know what the, 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 the <laughs> is going to be maybe five ten i don't know um but yeah i just love working with other founders now building companies with them it's cool i i still want to learn a little bit more about you jay because i take you back to when you're starting up yieldify and you're in farringdon and you're near the fish market and it stinks and it's a cheap old office block and you're inviting investors and you're probably a little bit embarrassed about where you are and, and having to speak <laughs> to these high profile people first off are you on your own have you got a partner did you have a business partner was it your brother or did or were you just literally doing this on your own yeah, I was one of those very lucky people. My business partner is actually my brother. And mm. I know people will say, hey, don't go with family. It's not a good thing. Um, <laughs> and like sometimes they are right. I think, you know, it's true. Just personalities clash. But my brothers and my personality are uniquely just a great combination because we both like different things. We're both very different. I've always enjoyed the people side, the commercial side, the fundraising piece, the culture side. And my brother loves the engineering, the product, the operation. So we're both like crazily different like if you both met us we'll be like okay you two brothers but actually it could be because you're both so different like you know i i do sometimes think there's a bit of magic in life in that you've your family yeah you might love or hate them in certain ways but i got i think i got given a really good hand i'm very lucky and yeah i've been doing this whole adventure i've been doing like all my adventures with my brother to some degree and then in a similar way from virtual manager obviously anil and neil had themselves to bounce off each other were there moments when you know formulating the company and as, as you were waiting on investment and, and and to try and build and grow yieldify were there moments where you thought you maybe needed to lean on each other a little bit you came into work a bit a bit low or maybe he did and you needed to sort of help each other out in that way yeah no 100 percent. like it is a I think I'm not married, but I I do feel I can't compare it. Maybe um, Anil can, but like your founder is 
you know, exactly like your partner or your wife, but probably even more intense because like there's some, it's just constantly up and down, right? Okay, I'm not saying being married may be quite similar. Maybe I know can be <laughs> It is very intense, right? It's very intense. So yeah, my brother and me went through a lot. Um, I still remember this one moment, which is quite a funny um, moment. We're going through this in, during uh, Unify. There's a time when I just wasn't sure if this business was actually going to work, right? You know, later on, it did get funded by Google and SoftBank, and it's done incredibly well. But I had, honestly, there's one moment where I was like, what the hell am I doing? This is not going to work. And um, there's some aspect of the product we just couldn't solve. Um, and at the same time, we couldn't work out if customers actually going to come to this. And I remember I just lost it. I was like, I, my brother's called Milan, but I call him Mills. I'm like, Mills, like, I think I'm done. I just don't think I can do this anymore, right? And it got to a point where I'm like, I just need some space for a few days. And the funniest thing was I was living with my parents, right? So we're both living with our parents. My, and at this moment, my parents have gone for a holiday. Um, so we're just like, and we've been working we work in the living room, right? It's quite like, it's a living room. And I said to him, look, don't disturb me. I'm going to stay in one half of the living room, which has got the sofa, and I'm not going to move for the next few days. And for some reason, I turned into this, like, I think I was, I didn't do any, like, drugs or anything, but I swear something just lost me. I was like, I don't know why, but I started building, like, a blanket fortress and, like, hiding. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why. <laughs> As a kid, like, you used to play the blanket. So I created my little fortress and I just like was hiding for a few days. And like, I said to myself, like, I'm not going to eat. Um, I did shower though for some reason. I didn't want to be that smelly guy who lives in a fortress. You don't, you don't want, you don't want to be a, have a smelly fortress. No, of course not. No, not at all. I'm pretty sure I did eat. So it's probably like the worst, like, worst, like, you know, separation ever. But like, I was hiding under this fortress for like a day or two, like still peeking them out. And then at some moment, I think it was like on the third day, my brother came out and went, Hey, I've solved it. I think I know how to do this. And then suddenly I was like, you Sure. You're not, you're not, you know, you're not bullshitting me. I said, no, 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 I've solved it. Then I came out of my fortress and then like, you know, then we started again. But it's like, yeah, there's certain moments where you're just like, oh man, is this going to work? But yeah, I remember that. How, how soon did investment come then? So for Yieldify, the first check, I actually wrote it. So it wasn't like a huge amount. It was about, let's say 20,000 US dollars. It wasn't much, right? Mm. And then afterwards we had some family and friends who maybe have chipped in another 20, 30,000 dollars. It wasn't much. Like I was super bootstrapped. We were super bootstrapped, right? And because at that moment I didn't even know what it, like VC investing was and like it wasn't, the ecosystem hadn't really been that go up. And then later on, the investors started approaching us. They said they started coming to this really smelly place in Farringdon and they used to just rock up and I'm like, they're like, can we invest money into your business? We're like, okay. But like, you know, that just naturally happened as a natural progression because the business did well. But yeah, so initially it was a small amount. Then eventually we did raise like a larger round, which is about a million. And then we raised, you know, a larger VC round, which is like about 12, 13 million dollars. And it just, you know. But how soon, how, uh, what about what, the sort of time frame? So the first check was like done in, let's just call it, you know, at zero point. Then the next angel check was probably six months after then about a million dollars was another six months after that and then literally a year after that we received a 12 million dollar check so it was very quick we were actually yeah we were like at that moment in time it's like right now business is going at crazy levels because just you know softwares and just technology is just so much more open but at that time we were like i believe if if we were on the rankings i do think we're probably in the top five fastest growing companies in the the uk like I think like five years later, we were recognized as number 23, but my fastest years were actually probably two, three, four. So I was like a late athlete on that, on that table. But, you know, <laughs> it was, um, yeah, it was just, uh, we grew to like a 200 people in like two and a half years. It was mental. 
So, yeah, it was a crazy journey. I've just mentioned before I asked the question, good timing. Uh, Doug, as we just made the Inc. 5,000 fastest growing companies in the US list. So we're uh, 188th <laughs> fastest growing software company in America. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Huge congratulations. Yesterday. So that was, that was quite cool. You're listening to the How Did We Get Here podcast, the story of virtual manager with Chairman Anil Patel, CIO Neil Fillingham, CEO Tony Morocco, and host Charles Dagnall. Jay, it was really when you talked about the capital raising and those different individuals, groups, I am very interested. One, how did they align with you? And B, how did they align with one another? Like I look at, uh, and I probably can say this now, we had a very small group of investors which are no longer with us. We have exited them all out. And there was a bit of alignment, but not a lot. And then it became almost disalignment amongst that group. So I, I would be really interested to see how does that work if you're raising different amounts with different groups and how does the, do they how does that ecosystem work within the business? So the first objective is like, I guess, writing out, yeah, what, what you're looking for, like the type of investor. Because you're right, there's some people that will maybe pay a lot, but they may not bring mm. much value. Mm. Um, there's some that will just bring a lot of value and actually not give you um, a good valuation of your business. So I think it's important to realize like how much support you really want. You do sometimes get some of the greatest investors actually paying you the best price. That they, they, That is mm. the optimal situation. But yeah, there are some of great investors that actually don't pay you much. So I think it's realizing if you need that support, I think that's a decision. Also, what is your level of pricing? Because some investors do like to lowball and some like to pay really well, mm. some in the middle. So I think once you know roughly the target, then the best bet, I believe is by speaking to be speaking to other entrepreneurs and asking them who they've had really good relationships with and asking for introductions to them. Like that is the ultimate move because it's a warm intro and you know that they're really, really good. So that is what I believe is the first point of call in terms of a process. You know, what you'll find is that you will need to find what they call like a lead investor. So someone who essentially will lead the diligent, the due diligence of the business and has done a lot of the, I guess, research and dug into your metrics and your team, et cetera. And what they'd love to create is like what they call an investment memo. So, you know, your lead investor will create this really detailed memo, which will <laughs> there'll be probably a picture of you going, hey, this is annual and, you know, your, all your life history and they've probably done references. And once they've all done that, then the memo's there and then that memo will then get passed potentially to other investors or, you know, or they know that, hey, look, a lead investor has definitely verified that this is a great business and then other investors will then join. Um, and what you'll find is the lead investor will have certain friends and buddies that they'll go, hey, like, let's get them onto the round as well. They're really good. That's the usual case or B is then, you know, you have maybe two leads. So you've found two people that you really like and they combine and they become a team. It's like one of those movies where you've got two heroes and they combine. Um, or, you know, you may get a situation where, you know, one large person just does the whole thing, right? So there's different scenarios, but at the end of the day, you will need like a lead investor and like that's usually what gets asked quite frequently. And in terms of support, what support did you find they gave you, you know, outside of obviously the money? Look, so the, 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 the tricky part is with these venture capital or any investor is that they normally have a portfolio of um, companies, right? So, you know, you have to be honest, like they won't be able to give you their full time. They will, you know, they will say they'll spend a lot of time, but naturally they won't. Like, obviously, if I was them as well, I'd pitch, I'm going to spend every minute of my like day or a lot with you. But realistically, when it comes down to it, 
you know, they've got 10 other children or 20 other, or like someone got 100, right? So, you know, I feel that, like my, okay, let me go through my experience. So my experience, like some are super hands-on. They're incredible. They'll give you like customer introductions. So Tony will be loving it. Um, you know, he's getting like these warm leads so he can speak to them. You know, some will help you with all the modeling and help you with introductions to your next round of financing. Some will help you with the strategy. So they're all very, very different, right? I've seen some that are super hands-on and some say they're hands-on, but they actually don't really help that much. So my best bet, my best advice for any entrepreneur is like do lots of references and also what you find is some VCs or some firms, they'll have like a separate team that helps with just supporting businesses, see if they've got that team. Because otherwise then you've got the partner or whoever's invested in like realistically, they've got loads of other things. And mm. there's a weird thing, which is probably worth knowing. And I think it's quite an interesting thing to share, but um, investors will essentially, and they have to do this, they're going to have to grade your business relative to the other kids and the, or the other children, right? Mm. They will grade them, right? And um, you'll get some that are right at the top, you know, the, the good kids, and then you'll get some that, you know, if you're not performing so well, you will be at the bottom. And, you know, they are pretty honest. They go like, you know, the top are the unicorns or the most exciting ones and the bottom ones, they call them the dogs. And like, you're somewhere in the pack. You're somewhere mm-hmm. in the pack. Like with Yieldify, I remember my investor, he, he, it was a good move by him because he knew I was like very competitive. So he would actually compare me with like Deliveroo, Babylon, and then Yieldify. So we were like invested, he invested in us three at really a similar time. And by the way, those two companies are now public. They're like one of the most successful companies in Europe. And then we got my company, Yieldify, which didn't actually do well against the pack. Um, and so then I did realize he probably spent more time with them than me. But he was actually, to be fair, Hussein did do very well. He did actually spend a lot of time with them. But, you know, certainly investors will just naturally spend time with their winners. But, you know, mm-hmm. they have to deliver an ROI. Their LPs. Just a couple more from, from me, if you wouldn't mind, Jay. Something that the guys always love talking about is taking on staff and the kind of boss that you are. And obviously, the more success your companies have, the more staff that you need to take on and the hiring of the right people and the kind of boss that you become. Because obviously, in the financial world, you have people above you and, and your bosses, but now you're the top guy. You're the head honcho. What was taking people on like for you what was your processes and I, I know you want you told us later on that there was a role that you wanted people to, to take on and you're looking for someone who's done that role who are still hungry but right from the start what do you look for in, in an employee and what kind of boss are you yeah there's a, there's a lot there um yeah so i say look at the start and this is what's really difficult for any person who starts a business is like you don't have any context you don't know what someone who's really good is someone who's like very good at great. Like, so when, you know, when I first made some hires, I hired these people. I work with these great business. I'm like, yeah, oh my God, I've just hired like literally in football or whatever sport you want, literally like the number one, one <laughs> ten top best players. And then, you know, you realize, okay, they are good, but then actually they may not be good for what you need right now. So sometimes you start, you know, hiring for the logo or the ego shots. Like, hey, I hired someone from XYZ company. So honestly, at the start, I was so naive. I didn't know what I was doing. Like I was just, you know, I was just hiring folks and it felt really cool. And, but it was only after a bit more time, you start having more context of what your good, very good and great looks like. And it keeps on changing even to this day. Like, you know, I think that's why business is so exciting. It's, you know, our arena for our personal growth and our learnings. And we're just learning every day. Like, you know, my scales keep on changing as well. So I think understanding that scale of good, very good and great, and just realizing it keeps on evolving is something that was quite a painful lesson. I think another big lesson for me was just understanding like when to switch players. 
that was a really difficult lesson. So I don't know if anyone's seen, I don't know if you've seen this show called Ted Lasso. Does that ring a bell? It's like this. Yes, TV show. yes, I've seen it. Huge hit. Great um, program. And I love the show, right? I got into the show quite late, but, um, you know, as you guys probably know, and if you haven't seen it, I'll try to give it a context, but it's about, um, it's basically about a football team that's like in the third division. Um, it's not doing so well. And they bring on this coach who's got no idea about soccer, but it's just a, you know, he basically makes his team deliver. And, on this team is this guy called Roy, who is you know, this a legendary football player who's had like you know worked at some he's played at some of the best teams in the world, and now he's joined this like third division team because of his last few years um, in football, right? And what then happens is after a season or two, you start realizing that Roy's fading away, like he just can't keep up with that team, um, you know. And the manager then had to make a tough call to realize that hey, like Roy's no longer the fit, no longer right right for the team and you know he had to make a tough call like throwing away like you know telling basically one of the best players of all time that hey you shouldn't be playing on this team is a big call and you know it reminded me of my work or reminded me of my role in startups in that sometimes there are people that you know maybe it's no longer their time for the business because you know maybe they're very good at the early stage or maybe on the later stage or um, they just haven't got that passion or maybe the culture's changing the business or you know what we need is different and I didn't realize that you have to constantly be making those shifts and like switching the player. Um, that was also very difficult because they could be one of your star players and you're like, no, they can, mm-hmm. they can get it back. I know they can. Yeah. But then, you know, you just, but then you just can't, you're now sacrificing the business for it. So yeah. you know, there's this attachment. So that was a big lesson for me. So like, I call it the switching the player rule. It was just, you yeah. have to be really good at that. I love that context, hoping they get better. We've had that many times. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah many, many a story. Um, just finally, Jay, obviously Yieldify and Reachdesk and ScreenLoop are now uh, you're on to bliss growth. Because I realise time is, is relatively short, but you are now starting to invest in other companies and you're an angel investor and you like to champion young startups and, and young entrepreneurs as well. What's the, the sort of plan for you over the next couple of years or medium term, five years, 10 years, what, what, both personally and with Bliss Growth as well? What, what do you foresee? I'd say there's probably three parts to my, I guess, my career life. So Number one is, yeah, creating businesses. I just love, I just love building businesses. I know everyone's got their, something, there's some aspect of business that brings the most joy. Mine's like starting a business from like zero to one million. Like that's like creating the brand, the logo, building the team. Like I just love it. That's where I get mm. my juices flowing. And yeah, that's my superpower. I know it. I just, that bit, I just get so much excitement. So, you know, Bliss Growth allows me to, you know, create these businesses, you know, one or two every year. And I work with aspiring founders. Um, then there's a second part of me, which is um, angel investing. So I've done about 30 angel investments and you know, it's great to just pass some advice. I don't get too hands-on as an angel investor. I, I enjoy angel investing, but I'm someone who does like to get hands-on. So generally these investments, I invest and give a bit of advice and really hope for the best. Like, you know, it's quite difficult if you're writing a small check and just giving so much of your time because, mm. you know, like all of us, we have to protect our time. So you know, for me, I don't get as much joy from engine missing, but I do it because it's my way of giving back. Even a small bits of advice can sometimes change the journey of a founder. And then the third part is I just want to have more fun. So um, I'm actually saying up my own podcast as well called Happy Millionaire. Um, so I'm really excited. So like you guys, I'm doing it with my friend um, called Rupi. He comes, his background is more on the health and nutrition. So he's like a three times bestseller. 
on books. He's um, like one of the social influencers. He's on like BBC TV. Um, so he's come from a different track and now he's creating his own app. Um, so he's an entrepreneur. And on the podcast, we talk about things about like, entrepreneurships and my journey. He asked me questions about his app and then I try to solve it live. And then we talk about like weird topics, probably about like you, different fun topics. And just have a bit of banner and fun. It's my way of keeping in touch with him. Um, he's a really good friend. And um, so like, that's number three. So just like having fun and doing different things. So I feel like sometimes we do take the whole business side so seriously. And it's just, mm. I, mean, I just love bringing the fun. And, you know, I think what you guys are doing is incredible. And I just, you know, a couple of mates hanging out. Yeah, that's why I really believe it's the right way to go. Well, look, Jay, it's been fascinating. We could have talked, honestly, we could have done easy another hour uh, with you, but for, for, for what we have, we're so grateful that you've given us uh, your time. Good luck with everything. Congratulations on that and all that you have achieved and still yet uh, to achieve uh, with all of your companies. And, and uh, thanks for coming on the podcast. Oh, thank you, guys. It's been an absolute pleasure. Appreciate thanks, it. Jay. Thanks, thanks, Jay. Thanks, Jay. Appreciate it. How Did We Get Here podcast with Anil Patel, Neil Fillingham and Tony Morocco was hosted by Charles Dagnall. This podcast is property of Virtual Manager, produced and edited by Daggers Media Limited.